0: That is right, Rushmore Sports World. We are talking about the playoffs. And the playoffs have concluded in the National Football League. And there are two teams left standing out of the 32 that are in the league. We have the Kansas City Chiefs. They will take on the San Francisco 49ers from the NFC. The Chiefs, the AFC representative for this year's Super Bowl, has been absolutely Astonishing on the offensive side of the ball. They have combined for a solid 86 points in two playoff games. And they just cannot be stopped. Patrick Mahomes, my boy Patty, is putting up insane numbers. He put up five touchdowns against the Houston Texans um, on January 12th in a route 51-31. to And then this week, this past week, when they played... The Tennessee Titans, the surprising Tennessee Titans, which we'll get back to in a minute, he threw for 294 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions. So, Patty Mahomes is doing his thing. He has a bunch of targets he can go to. He has Travis Kelsey, who may be, he he definitely is top five tight ends in the league right now. Sammy Watkins has continued to ball um, as of late. Tyreek Hill who's been a baller ever since he came into the league a couple years ago, three years ago. Mecole Hardman, who did not have the best game against Tennessee, but has been a firecracker on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. And in Andy Reid's scheme, he is doing a fantastic job of utilizing all of his weapons. Um, The only downside is they need a defensive presence on the other side of the ball because right now it is just absolutely pathetic. It is almost as pathetic as watching Akron and UMass play in a college football game. Sorry, Jackson Dyer. As you all know, if you haven't known this and you're just tuning in for the first time, we have to my left, Grant McClendon to my right, Jackson Dyer. These are two co-hosts of the Rushmore sports betting podcast brought to you by the bulldog And we are missing Nick Frias tonight. Um, Nick Freas, I know you're going to listen to this because I'm going to send you the link first. Screw you. We hate your guts. And you might not ever come on the podcast again. But anyways, I just talked about the AFC game. Grant, give me a little bit of information of the NFC game. Uh, the past two NFC games that the San Francisco 49ers have played in. Um, it being against the Green Bay Packers. And then in the route, the surprising route. Grant, get away.
1: Mostert had 29 carries for 220 yards. I mean, Garoppolo only threw eight passes and completed six of them. Even though they do have explosive receivers such as George Kittle at a tight end position, along with Travis Kelsey, he's top five in the league, I would say. Debo Samuel, who's easily a top five rookie in the league right now, he's been explosive running the ball and at the receiver position in the slot. So, I mean, I really don't know. The Super Bowl will definitely be interesting to see if the Chiefs We'll have a defensive presence, as Brendan talked about, and see if they can slow down the running game. But if they cannot slow down the running game, then, I mean, it's going to be ugly, honestly. Mostert might get 35 carries in the Super Bowl if the Chiefs can't stop their run. I mean, if they stack the box, then Garoppolo will throw it. If they have four in the box, then they'll just run it down their throat. So, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is definitely an offensive genius. We all know this, obviously with the Falcons, and head coach in his second year of the 49ers, I mean, he's back in a second Super Bowl. We all know what happened last time he was there. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers all year, dominant offense, and their defense, don't sleep on that either. I mean, the back end at the secondary position, they are very good. Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman has come out of his shell after leaving uh, Seattle, and he's turned into a pro bowler. This uh this season. So, I mean, watch out for the 49ers.
0: All righty. And Jackson Dyer, let me just get your opinion on the Chiefs season and how well they did um, overall. They finished the season at 12 and four, obviously um, had a couple slip ups, but they had a good wins. Um, against the the Chicago Bears when they beat them 26-3. to They also beat the New England Patriots, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the dynasty over there. They beat them on the road at Gillette Stadium um, later in the season. So, Jackson, just tell me a little bit about the Chiefs and how they got here and how they got to the Super Bowl.
2: Uh, it's no secret they're here on the back of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes actually had – I don't remember how many games he was hurt, but he definitely missed a game – here and there, and he wasn't healthy or 100% all year. But now that he's back in the starting job after coming back from injury, he looks a lot more comfortable the last couple weeks. Uh, A lot of people were talking about how it might – it's good that you always want to get the first round by, but this might get them out of the swing of things when they're playing such a hot Titans team. But it didn't seem to matter. They've kind of started slow the last two weeks. But once the offense gets clicking, it's tough to – and everyone's been talking about the 49ers' offense and how good the run game is, but the Chiefs' passing attack is just as good. Uh, like I said they're 12 and four this year. Their losses are all pretty good, and even in those losses, Mahomes played pretty well. Uh, one of the losses to, was to Green Bay, who was another you know championship weekend team from the NFC, and they played that without Mahomes and almost still almost won. So offense outside Mahomes, like Brendan was saying, is loaded with. Players all over the field that can hurt you. The miko and Tyreek Hill, you try to cover one, but the other one's going to be flying down the sidelines, and they're both super fast. But, yeah, it all comes back to the defense, and that's, I think, the big key in this game. The Chiefs might not be able to be stopped, but if they are, it's because of the 49ers' defense. They've kind of been accruing all these great defensive linemen and edge rushers from the draft. That's what have been drafting most of their players, and you look at Mike McGlinkey and other players like that that have been h- highly taken draft picks and art skill positions I do think that's very interesting how they've put their team together with Garoppolo trading for or signing him in the offseason and all the running backs they got Tevin Coleman out of free agency and they signed mostert out of um unsigned so it's very interesting th- that them not drafting such key, skill players and instead drafting offensive linemen, edge rushers, defensive linemen and then finding their skill players elsewhere.
0: As Jackson Dyer said just a moment ago, the 49ers offense um, kind of rivals the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs obviously as Dyer just said has a lot of talent, but the 49ers what they're going to have to do is going to take momentum swings in stride and utilize them to their advantage because this season in the regular season the 49ers only beat teams um, in six of their games by less than ten points, which means I mean there there were a couple games where they they had a turnover and they didn't score off of it, or they drove down the field and couldn't convert in the red zone. Um, so when they get those positive momentum swings in their favor, they're going to need to capitalize on it and make sure that they 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 get the points out of it that they needed. Um, in this game, I feel like um, any any points will be good points um, because. You never know, Super Bowls like this will come down to a field goal or a touchdown because, in in my opinion, I feel like it's going to be a shootout just because I don't think the Chiefs' defense will show up, and I also don't think the 49ers will be able to take those momentum swings um, and utilize them to the best of their ability every single time. So it will be a very back-and-forth game, but the 49ers – and the Chiefs, just two offensive powerhouses from the NFC and the AFC. It's it's just going to be a spectacle to see because we're used to seeing either defensive games or blowouts that just weren't very good games because, I mean, who likes to watch a defensive game? I mean, another defensive game that happened was the San Francisco 49ers. They played on the road in Washington, played the Redskins, and only beat them 9-0 to on October 20th of this year. So... That's not going to happen, obviously, in this Super Bowl because um, both offenses are have definitely progressed a lot more than they have um, at the beginning midway points of the season. But I'd say both wins by the 49ers and the Chiefs in the playoffs have been about the same. I mean, the 49ers beat Minnesota 27-10 to after Minnesota had a great game in the very first round of the playoffs, and then they dominated Green Bay and beat them 37-20. to Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to do a lot um that's gonna be another key factor for the 49ers if mostert can be stopped by the defense of the Chiefs can Jimmy Garoppolo play to the ability to win them a game I mean because in the in the two playoffs game two in the two playoff games he's thrown for 11 and 19 131 yards one interception and one touchdown against the Vikings and like Grant said earlier he only threw I think eight or nine he he threw eight passes for 77 yards and zero touchdowns in a game that he wasn't needed. But I do believe in a Super Bowl, you're going to have to know how to run the ball and pass the ball effectively. So another key point that the 49ers have to take advantage of is the play of Jimmy Garoppolo and see if he can live up to that hype that he has had all regular season. When we come back, that is the end of our football segment. We are now in the season of college basketball. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some of uh, the bigger games that you're going to be seeing this Saturday. Um, it is We are recording this right now on January 22nd, and the games that we'll be discussing will be played on January 25th. Um, we're going to go over 10 big games um, of ranked teams that you could possibly make some money off of. We're going to pick money lines and see how well we do. And then at the end of this first episode of Season 2 of the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast, We're going to send you off with a little bit of our uh, March Madness early predictions on who who might go far and who might be a dark horse team, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the second segment of the first episode of the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast. This is the season opening of Season 2. And we're going to talk about some uh, big basketball games coming up this Saturday, January 25th. Um, We're kind of going all around the league. We're going to go into different conferences, different types of teams. Um, Some teams are shooting teams. Some teams like to bang in the paint a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and start off with Marquette and Butler. Marquette and Butler is actually the only Friday game on this list. This will be played Friday, January 24th. But this is an interesting game. But Butler's ranked 13th overall in the nation right now. And they are at home, but Marquette is always a good team. Even though they're not ranked right now, their their record is well over 500 and they're well coached and the Golden Eagles always find a way to win, especially when it comes time for conference um, tournaments and when they do get in the tournament, they're always a, a lower seeded team that you you would expect to maybe upset a higher-seeded team. So just the prestigiousness of Marquette University and their basketball program, it's going to be an interesting game. Butler, obviously, very prestigious. Um, they've been very good ever since Brad Stevens was there and when he left, and they had those magical tournament runs. And they've kind of been relevant ever since then, every single season in some capacity. So just, just seeing that it is at Butler,
2: I'm going to have to go with the Butler Bulldogs. Um, Grant, who you got?
1: I'm going to take Butler as well.
2: I normally like the Golden Eagles to start a little chaos. Uh, them in Providence are kind of my dark horse te- teams normally every year when I just have a feeling that they can beat one of these better teams. But this year, I like Kamar Baldwin, my fellow Winder resident, and I like the Butler Bulldogs too much.
0: Speaking of your other dark horse team, the Providence Friars take on number nine in the nation, Villanova, this Saturday, and it is at Providence. So, Jackson Dyer, tell me this. With a team as good as Villanova and as good of a coach as, as they have, do you really think the Friars are going to pull one out this Saturday or do you think Nova Nova routes them in a, in a very lopsided game? Because that's what I think is going to happen. I'm picking Villanova.
2: Anyway, like I said, I normally like to pick Providence, uh, especially in the Big East tournament every year. I, I always pencil them in to go a long way. But this year I don't think they're very good. And Villanova is a very good team this year. So I'm going with Villanova.
1: I'm gonna agree with Brendan and Jackson, and I'm gonna take Villanova. They're nine and one in their last ten, and ever since they beat Kansas at home over the Christmas break, they've been rolling. So give me the Wildcats.
0: Next up on the list, we have my usual favorite dark horse team. Obviously, since I am a fan of the Big Blue, we got Michigan playing at home against the number 21 team in the nation, Illinois and the Fighting Illini. And honestly, you know I like my Michigan Wolverines, but they've been playing so bad as of recent. They just lost to the tonight to Penn State, I think for the second time this season, and after starting off the season, winning um, their opening tournament and beating some very good teams, they have just fallen off a cliff, it seems like, and are just spiraling out of control right now, um, but that's that's what usually happens, The this Michigan team, especially being coached by Juwan Howard in his first season, um, it's kind of hard to see if they're going to mesh together right away, or if it's going to take them a little bit of time, but Usually, this is kind of what happens, they, they're they very mediocre, throw it halfway through the season, and then Big Ten play starts, and the tournament starts, and they, they make those deep runs pretty much almost every year. So, I'm going to have to go with the Fighting Illini as of right now, just because I don't think Michigan is there yet, but look out for Michigan in the later parts of the season. Grant, who do you got?
1: I'm going to take the Wolverines, mainly because Illinois, this is the, I mean, They've been relevant, but Illinois hasn't been in the NCAA tournament for years, and I just think Jawan Howard, even though it is his first year coaching, I believe that Michigan's experience, I mean, they have four or five seniors on the team, so I just believe that their experience will win them this game. So give me the Wolverines.
2: I'm also taking the Wolverines, but for a different reason. I think they're the team that you have every year that's very good, but also has so many problems and I think you should not bet on them at all because there's no telling what you're going to get. But I think after losing to a tough game to Penn State tonight, I think they're going to bounce back on Saturday, prove to everyone that no one knows what they're talking about, and beat a good Illinois team.
0: Yeah, Jackson just mentioned that Michigan usually, in any game they play, is not a team that you should probably bet on or against uh, just because of how up and down that they play. Um, So obviously – we're, we're, we're picking these games, but there are some games you should just not bet on. Michigan, I'd stay far away from that one and the money line. But games like Villanova against Providence, I'd put money line on Villanova and money line on Butler versus Marquette. Like I said, this isn't a game that I think you should bet on personally. The Clemson-Louisville matchup. Louisville is number six in the nation right now, and it is at Louisville. But Clemson has owned the state of North Carolina as of recent. They dist- They beat Duke in a very shocking upset. And they, they beat North Carolina for the first time ever at UNC Chapel Hill. So the Tigers are just a team this year that, I mean, once again, they're not a team that's going to be too good. They, they may make the tournament, but I don't think they're going to do anything surprising um, at the end of the year. But as of right now, with how it's been played out the past two weeks, I I, st- I think you stay away from this game, um, especially after Louisville tonight after we were recording this only beat Georgia Tech, an 8-10 and team, now 8-11. and They only beat them by four points. So stay far away from this money line, but I'm going to take Louisville in this game since they're at home. Grant, who you got?
1: Yeah, there is no going to be scare here. I'm taking Louisville. I mean, Clemson is 1-4 on the road this year with that only win coming against UNC, and UNC is not very good this year considering that Cole Anthony has been injured for the majority of the year. So, I think Louisville, I mean, after that scare against Georgia Tech tonight, they did beat Duke over the past weekend, which is very impressive win on the road in Durham, North Carolina. So, I'm going to take the Cardinals.
2: I'm also taking the Cardinals because I think that they got their trap game out of the way tonight against Georgia Tech. I think it's a very easy game once you have a great win like Duke and an emotional win that the next game doesn't turn out so well. And I know Georgia Tech's not very good. But Louisville was good enough to get the win and avoid having a bad loss there, and I think they're going to come back out Saturday and beat Clemson.
0: All next up we got the SEC Big 12 matchup. I think this is the first one on the list. we got Tennessee and the Volunteers traveling over to the Fog. Kansas and the Jayhawks, they're number three in the nation right now. And you know what? This is the first game I think I'm going to pick the upset I'm going to take Tennessee and the Volunteers, and here's why. Grant McClendon's giving me weird looks. Kansas has uh, got a couple players suspended after their last game. Um, there, I don't know if anybody out there listening right now has watched that Kansas-Kansas State game, but there was an absolute brawl at the end of the game for absolutely no reason. Kansas State forward, he just comes down, destroys the Kansas State layup. I mean, granted, the Kansas State dude... Kansas was trying to dribble the ball the timeout, and he stole the ball tries to get a cheap layup they're already down 81 to 59 so no reason to do that but the Kansas dude pins it on the backboard throws it into the stands I mean he does everything he possibly could and then proceeds to stand over him and talk talk shit and it was just pretty bad and the the Wildcats obviously sticking up for their player that just got demolished caused a brawl I mean there were some even I think there were some fans in that brawl at the end of it so kansas has a lot of players out and tennessee is still a team that it depends on how well they do um in the middle of the season late in the season because they were a really good team last year and they're very experienced they're a little younger this year and they're hit or miss like they like i said they're like michigan to me um tennessee can play very good teams and win good games but then they can play teams that are mediocre, like like a Georgia team this year, and they get absolutely
1: thraxed. So, I'm going to have to go pick Tennessee, just because I think this is going to be one of their good games. Grant, who you got? I'm taking Kansas, and it's not even close. And by the way, that brawl, if you have not watched it, I advise you to go watch it. It's good content.
2: Uh, Tennessee's coming off a pretty good win, but I also don't care about Kansas players being suspended. I think Kansas is much better. I think they're better coached, and I think they're going to win despite the suspensions
0: all right so grant and jackson obviously don't see the same thing i do and in the fact that i think this game will actually be close and the underdog may win um but i'm gonna agree with them just on their um thought process in this next game number seven dayton is traveling over to richmond and this is on the list because dayton is the most surprising team i think this year other than probably san diego state still being the only undefeated team in the nation right now Dayton is number seven in the nation, and they're usually they're they're that good basketball school. They're that school that makes the tournament, wins a couple of decent games a year, and they're just solid. There's a solid program. This year, they are one of the more elite teams um, that I've seen played. They're very well coached. They play very well in the paint. They play very well from the outside. They shoot the three ball. Um, you know, people say you live or die by the three ball. They they live by the three ball a lot. So, take Dayton on the money line in a big route
1: in this game. Grant, who you got? Yeah, I'm taking the Flyers in this game again. It's not even being close. The Spiders, you don't have a chance.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Dayton. Uh, I I watched them early this year as they played Georgia, and at first that loss looked really bad in Georgia, and then the more they went through that tournament and the more the season's gone along, it's actually not a very bad loss because they've been beating teams, doesn't matter who they are, they only lost us to Kansas in a close game and a two-point loss to Colorado. So they're sitting there very nice at 17-2. If they stay on the path there, they should be a very high seed and hopefully have a good tournament run this year.
0: All right, the next game on this SEC Big 12 matchup is the Texas Tech Red Raiders, a team that surprised a lot of people last year in the tournament by making the, the Final Four and the National Championship game. They are taking on the Kentucky Wildcats, a powerhouse from year to year, coached by John Calipari, and the the team that usually has a lot of freshmen, talented, um, does very well. But this year, I think they're a little more experienced than they have been. And I think as of as of recently, they've just been playing such good basketball that they it doesn't even it's not even close. Actually, I mean Texas Tech has had some good games. I mean don't don't get me wrong. Texas Tech is another team that lives by the three and dies by the three. Um, some notable wins that Texas Tech has had this year is they they have played Baylor close. It's not a win, but they played Baylor close, beat them by five points. They absolutely routed Oklahoma State eighty-five to fifty, and they beat Kansas State seventy-seven to sixty-three, along with beating Iowa State by twenty. But they've they've lost some games that have been kind of head scratching. They lost to TCU by 11, and TCU is historically not a very good basketball program. Um, they lost to West Virginia, who's not a bad school, um, beat them by 12, or they lost to them by 12. So I think Texas Tech has just been two up and down, and the 12-6 and six Red Raiders are going to get beat by at least 10 this week. This is a game I wouldn't put money on the money line, um, but wait and see what that spread comes out. Um, and if that spread is anywhere from minus 6, for for Kentucky or above or
1: below, I would go ahead and take them. This is really the first most intriguing game so far on the list to me because I do think I think Texas Tech wins this game. I mean, they're 9 and 1 at home and that only loss was to Baylor, the number 1 team in the country, and it was a loss of 5 points. I mean, Texas Tech beat Louisville on the road early in the year by 13. They won that game pretty easily and Louisville's ranked number 6. And if you look at Kentucky, I mean, they've struggled on the road. I mean, they've won those games, but they've struggled. I mean, Georgia, watching that game, honestly, Georgia should have beat Kentucky. They didn't play good down the stretch, and obviously Kentucky's talent took over. But they won that game by six points, I think. They lost to South Carolina on the road who's not very good. I mean, they're 500, and... They beat Arkansas in a close game, which they probably should have lost. Arkansas didn't play good down the stretch in that game. So I think Texas Tech, I mean, I think their experience takes over. I mean, they lost Culver from last year, and they lost their point guard, but they they had everybody returning for this year. So I think their their experience takes over in this game, and I think Texas Tech
2: beats Kentucky. I'm going to go with Kentucky because the last five games have been so tough on them. Like like, uh, Grant said, they played Georgia twice in the last five games, and both games were kind of a scare for the Wildcats, but their talent did take over. But this year, the, their talent isn't as, they're not as talented of a disparity between Kentucky and Georgia as normal, but they stayed calm and they came back when they were down. And you have players like Nick Richards and Hagen's and Maxie, and they're really coming into their own. Hagen's has grown up a lot this year. Maxie's already grown up in the this stretch of games they've had where they beat, Arkansas and they beat Alabama, and they beat Arkansas without Calipari on the floor for most of the second half of the game. So I think that they are a good team. I think that this stretch has been tough, but it's been very good on them, and it's going to help them down the stretch this season.
0: Alrighty, the next intriguing SEC Big Twelve challenge matchup is the number one team in the nation, the Baylor Bears, who are sixteen and one right now. Uh, they're they're heading over to the to the swamp, and they're playing the Florida Gators, who is twelve and six right now. But let me tell you why Florida is gonna win this game. Baylor is number one in the nation and that has been a curse this year. I, I think seven number there's been seven different number one seeds this year um, and it, we're not uh, we're about halfway into the season and Florida after they lost yesterday um, Tuesday J- January 21st they lost to LSU who's not a bad SEC team. they lost to them by two points on the road but the past uh, the four games after that Florida's absolutely routed. They beat Auburn at home 69-47, to who was ranked 4th in the nation at the time. They beat Ole Miss at home 71-55. to They beat they beat uh, South Carolina by 13 on the road at South Carolina. And they, they slipped up to Missouri. But I think Florida knows how to finish down the stretch after seeing them beat Alabama in double overtime um, January 4th of this year. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. But just the experience Florida has and seeing as how the Gators play the teams like Kentucky, a Georgia team that's good this year, an Auburn team that is elite this year, a Tennessee team that's always been pretty good as of recent. I think the Florida Gators win this game by four to
1: five points. Uh, Grant, what do you think? I'm going to agree with Brendan, another upset. I do think Florida beats the Baylor Bears, and I'm going to tell you why. Florida's good at home. They're always good at home. I mean, they have two losses this year, and one of them was to the number five team in the country, Florida State, and that was the second game of the year. I mean, Florida routed Auburn at home. I think it was a 24-point win. Wasn't even close. And Florida can shoot the ball, and they can also drive to the basket. And they play great defense. I mean, they get in that full-court full, full court pressure, and they just suffocate you in the backcourt. So if Baylor can't get past that full-court pressure, and if Baylor can't shoot the basketball from the outside, just like Auburn did a couple weeks ago, this game's just going to be just as bad as that 24 point win against Auburn Tigers. So give me the Gators.
2: I'm going with the Baylor Bears here. I disagree with both my co hosts. But I do think that if this is for money line purposes, I do think if the spread, depending on that, you might, might be inclined to take Florida. And I am scared by the, the curse of number one. But I think Baylor's such a good team right now, and they're playing really good ball. and I think they win.
0: Alrighty. Once again, I just want to reiterate that these are money line games that we're betting on right now. The spreads don't usually come out until um, a day or two before the games, and we're recording this three days before the games. But um, for money line purposes, this next game, I- I'm going to say bet on it, and it's the number five in the team, number five team in the nation, the Florida State Seminoles playing at home against a Notre Dame Fighting Irish team who is not as good as they once were. Um, once again, they're still a solid basketball program. But I think Florida State has absolutely exceeded expectations this year. Um, they are led by a, a, a friend of mine. I played AAU basketball with him in the early middle school days. I even saw him get cut from the middle school team and never thought that would have happened. But now he's the star or one of the stars at the Florida State's team. Um, shooting guard, Devin Vassell, he's absolutely balling out right now. He is good in clutch situations. Um, he was that guy last year that made a, a game-tying shot to send it to overtime last year in the ACC tournament to send them into another winning situation in the ACC tournament. And they just look solid. They're 16-2 and two right now. They absolutely destroyed Louisville. They beat him by 13 back on uh, January 4th. They've handled Wake by 10. They beat UVA by 4. They beat Miami in overtime by three or by four points. So, Notre Dame being 11 and 7 right now, not playing their best basketball and not being as good as they once were, I think Florida State absolutely dominates and beats them by about 10 points. Take Florida State on the money line, grant who you got?
1: Yeah, I got Florida State big only because again, I mean another team that's good at home. They're undefeated at home this year. They're 10 and 0, and they did they do have quality wins such as Louisville, Miami, and Virginia. And then in those games, Florida State, I mean, if you want to get in a shootout with them, they'll get in a shootout. They'll get in a track meet. If you want to play defense, they'll play defense.
2: So give me Florida State. I'm also going to go with Florida State. I really like them this year. I think they're – I'll talk about them a little bit later, but I, I have big hopes on what they're going to do this year.
0: All right, the last game on the docket is a rematch of earlier this season, and it is a rivalry game. The number 22 team in the nation, the Arizona Bearcats, travel over to Sun Devil Arena and play the Arizona State Sun Devils in a game that I don't even think is close. Just like the first time, Arizona routes the Sun Devils 75-47 to 47 back on January 4th. And I think that's just the proof in the pudding enough. If you beat a team that bad, I don't think there's any way that they're going to come back and beat you for the, the second game in the series. So, give me the Bearcats big in this game and bet them on the money
1: line. Grant, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Arizona as well. They look good all year. And freshman Nika Mannion is just a baller. Give me the Wildcats.
2: Uh, I'm going to disagree again, and I'm going to go with Bobby Hurley and the Arizona State Sun Devils.
1: All righty. That wraps
0: up our basketball docket for the first episode of the Restmore Sports Betting Podcast, brought to you by the BulldogInquirer.com. And to end the show... We're going to give you our team that you think could win it all as of right now, and a dark horse team that um, some may say could make a, a, a Cinderella run in the tournament. I'm going to go ahead and start it off, and some people may pick them as their dark horse team. I'm going to go ahead and pick them as a championship contender right now. Florida State and the Seminoles are absolutely insane, and once again, I'm just saying this because I personally know one of their their good players, and he's... I'm just surprised that he's playing so well as a sophomore, and in Devin Vassell, so and they're just they're complete all over. Like Grant said, they can play defense when they want to play defense. They can shoot out when they want to shoot out. They've got bigs that can score in the paint, and they got shooters that can shoot three. So just down the stretch, pick Florida State going into the Final Four and possibly making a run at that national championship. And my Dark Horse team, I haven't really thought about this a lot, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Dayton. Dayton is right now an elite program. They're number seven in the nation. Um, But once again, they haven't really – since it is such a small school and it is Dayton, not a lot of people will think that just because of their basketball prowess that they have the ability of getting to the Final Four this year and winning the national championship. I think they do. I think they shoot the three so well and move the ball on offense very well, and they play fundamental sound defense to keep the games close against better teams. So, Dayton Flyers, um, you are going to be my Cinderella team this year. And the Florida State Seminoles, I think I stole a little bit of Jackson Dyer's thunder,
1: but they're going to be my championship contender team. Grant, what are your two picks? You know, we were talking about this before, but this is this is a tough pick. Um, and I'm going to start off with my dark horse, and I'm going to say the Oregon Ducks. You know, Oregon... They've been in the final four Elite 8s in recent years, and they have the experience. I mean, again, this is another team with about four or five seniors that have been to the tournament, and they know how to win games, and they know how to win down the stretch. And, I mean, they're solid again this year, ranked number 12 in the country, 15-4. and four, Solid in Pac-12 play so far. And, you know, I think if they do play well down the stretch and if they do play well down in conference play, and get a decent seat in the NCAA tournament, then I do think they can make a Final Four run and maybe surprise some people. So I am going to take the Oregon Ducks as my dark horse. And as my favorite, I know it's going to sound cliche, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils. I mean, you can't go wrong. You go. cannot go wrong with Coach K, Coach K in the NCAA tournament. As we have seen in past years, they've been super, super young. This year, they have all the experience in the world. I mean, I don't They have a freshman, of course, Cassius Stanley, in the starting lineup, but everyone else is sophomore, junior, senior. Cassius Stanley has played well throughout the year, and he's shown that he, that he is a top 10 draft pick in next year's NBA's draft. And, I mean, like I said, you can't go wrong with Coach K in the NCAA tournament. So if they stay healthy, if they play well, for the rest of the year in conference play, maybe win the ACC championship, get a number one seed, I think they can make that Final Four run and possibly win the championship. So number one key for Duke is staying healthy but their experience I think will lead them for the rest of the year and I think that'll ultimately lead them to maybe a championship uh, championship run in late March, early April. Uh, my
2: favorite for this year is the Gonzaga Bulldogs Uh, They have a very easy schedule, so I think they're going to start playing very good ball, and they're not going to be trying to just beat a great team, but I think they're going to try to be the best team they can in each week. Uh, I only see them losing like once or twice more. I think they have a great record, and they lock up the one seed very easily because they've kind of earned that respect the last couple years. They've finally been being made one seeds. So I definitely think they'll be a one seed this year. My dark horse is the Seton Hall Pirates Actually, because I don't think they get as much respect as they deserve. Um, they've always they're always pretty good every year in the Big East, and they normally make the tournament. But this year, they're starting on such a run now. The last couple weeks, uh, they start off with a win against Maryland, who is ranked very high at the time, and they rattle off a bunch of six wins in the Big East. And I think for basketball purposes, you should look at the Big East the way we look at SEC for football. Uh, they beat DePaul, he'd be Georgetown, Xavier, Marquette, Butler, Saint John's, Providence, and they have to play a bunch of these teams over. They play Butler again, and February they play Villanova twice. But I think they have what's going to shape up to be a great season, and I think they can make a run in the tournament.
0: Alrighty, that wraps it up for the second segment of the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast, brought to you by BulldogEnquirer.com. Grant, do you dance? Do you dance, Grant McClendon? Go ahead. Oh, yes, sir. All righty. We're lit behind the scenes, and we're also lit for the next upcoming episode season of Season 2, second episode of the Sports Breaking Podcast. We are talking about Super Bowl predictions. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. We talked about how they got there, but next week we're going to talk about who we think actually wins. We're going to look at the spread, the over-under, the money line, all the little bits of details, and we're going to talk about some of the news, the new news that comes out within this next week. And then next week, we just got more basketball games on the docket. So make sure you stay tuned. Go over to the thebulldoginquire.com to make sure you go over and subscribe via email. Get some email updates on all the content, the sports betting content that you all desire. And it is, as we all know, uh, this is located in Athens, Georgia. Um, we are all UGA students. So if you're interested in some UGA football news um, is, was, is what it's predominantly focused on, go ahead. There's some good articles about that. Um, we got some interesting interesting inside info that comes out a couple times um every two weeks on my uh on my recording on on twitter and just before we go, Mr Wiseman and the Memphis Tigers absolutely gets destroyed by Tulsa and a game uh, dude it doesn't matter if the game's over there's no way they come back. No, I know, but what no, I know. No, I know it's still not over, but it's, 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 they're getting destroyed by 50 points by Tulsa, dog. All right. That's some good info to end on. So if you ever think about betting on Memphis, just remember they got beat by Tulsa by at least 50 points. So good night or good afternoon or good morning to whenever you listen to this. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you share and go follow brendan underscore kerner for uga updates on twitter some insider information like as i was saying before we got interrupted by the uh, 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 ass whooping that the tulsa and the rockets are giving so stay tuned have a great time listening to anything else you listen to music or sports Grant is doing this little weird stomach thing and I think Memphis, after the game, is going to do a little stomach thing and absolutely yak about how bad they played. Good night. Uh, d- playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs?